this episode, I'm chatting with Nikki about how her family ended up going from a teaching family to an unschooling family with two home businesses. This is part two of our series on families that unschool, homeschool, wild school and world school that will run until the end of the year. Last week, we spoke to the founder of the Australian Homeschool Summit, Kelly George, so make sure you head on over and check out that episode. It's number 27. Wondering if homeschooling or unschooling is for you? Then this is the episode for you. Welcome to Raising Wildlings, a podcast about parenting, alternative education, and stepping into the wilderness, however that looks, with your family. Each week, we'll be interviewing experts that truly inspire us to answer your parenting and education questions. We'll also be sharing stories from some incredible families that took the leap and are taking the road less travelled. We're your hosts, Vicky and Nikki from Wildlings Forest School. Pop in your headphones, settle in, and join us on this next adventure. Hello, and welcome to episode 28 of the Raising Wildlings podcast. We're your hosts, Nikki Farrell and Vicky Oliver. Today, we're running a little left of centre because today I'll be interviewing Nikki. We get lots of requests about how we got into homeschooling, what a day or a week or even a term looks like in our families' lives, what curriculums we use, how we can afford to homeschool, and of course, what we do to socialise our children so they don't end up like some weird movie stereotype. As teachers, our answers might actually surprise you. Before we dive in, though, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on your podcast player of choice. And if this episode has resonated in any way, we'd love for you to take a screenshot of the podcast artwork and share it with us so we can share it on our Instagram stories. One of my actual favorite things to do is to listen to people's stories about how they got started on whatever journey they're going on. But in particular, I am fascinated with homeschool stories. And no matter how many times I've heard yours, Nikki, I love hearing it again because you always glean something different. So I'm going to ask you a few questions. The first one being, what was the one thing that made you decide to homeschool your boys? Oh, I think you'd probably agree with me here that it's probably never one choice or one Mm -hmm. decision, that it seems to be this snowball effect. But the day that we looked at each other and went, right, that's it, our eldest is not going to school, was we'd just done a round of school tours and look, we had been working up to this because, you know, we chose not to send our children to daycare. And then when we started doing the trips around the schools, we just kind of looked at each other and went, it's funny. And it feels really hypocritical now that as a teacher, teachers, both of us, um, Scotty's a primary school teacher by trade and I'm high school, that we thought it was like the school system was fine, perfectly fine, nothing wrong with it until we had our own children. And yeah. then the questions just came and mm. um, it was going to those schools and hearing the principals just harp on about academics and NAP plan and all these ed, you know, especially as a teacher, all the ed speak acronyms. It just felt like, to be honest, they were blowing smoke up parents' asses. <laughs> but there wasn't a single mention of well-being and that's what concerned me. It really concerned me that it was all about academics and kids falling behind and making sure they're being assessed. And that just made me feel sick to my stomach that my little preppy that was right on the cusp of, you know, the June cutoff and small and young for his age, that I knew academically he'd be fine, but I wasn't sure he'd be emotionally fine. So we thought we'd just do holding back a year haven't met anyone who has regretted holding their children back a year. So no. I went, right, let's do that. And started a home kindy co-op, which is essentially a couple of our friends getting together and eating cake and drinking tea while our kids <laughs> played. 
It was great. Some of the best times of my life. Yeah. And and then that was it. I met you. Mm. Oh. <laughs> the rest yeah. of Yeah. <laughs> and I think too I can resonate with that. You've spent, you've invested, you know, five years of your life into everything for your child and then you're going to give that to someone else and it has to resonate deeply for you to be able to give up that part to someone else, to an institution, to continue mm. raising your children for the hours of the day that you don't have them. Yeah, and look, we're really spoiled here on the Sunshine Coast. We have some really fabulous alternative education schools, mm. um, quite left state schools, but even when I was going to the state, lefty state schools, which is more up our family's alley, then um, the class sizes were concerning. and. I would absolutely argue that class size uh, is really important. It's Mm. so easy. I know for me personally as a teacher to get lost in the crowd and I know that children will succeed if they're meant to or not, but that's really not the point. I want Mm. my child to be able to build relationships with their mentors and feel like they're part of a really small, tight-knit family and that's really hard to do in giant classrooms. It is. Now, one of the Big questions we get asked, and and I think this is an interesting story for you guys, is how your family manages financially because your situation is probably not usual for homeschooling families. No. And again, I think the beauty of homeschooling is that it has completely changed our lives and our lifestyles and we love it. Mm. And it really suits our family. That's probably one thing I probably need to articulate here is that Homeschooling does need to be for your entire family. Yeah. Um, you know, if mum doesn't feel like she can handle it mental health-wise, then it doesn't suit the family. If, mm. you know, if a child doesn't want to be homeschooled, then it doesn't suit your family. Um, but it suits ours and we love it. But So we went from double income and a good teaching wage, no kids, to one income and mat leave to, oh, maybe if we – cut back on this and do this, then maybe I can stay home an extra six months, which turned into a year. And then we got pregnant. I was like, oh, no, we're surviving. We're doing, we're doing okay off of this one income. Actually, I need to point out there that that income was my husband at university. So we had this huge, just complete life change where my husband at the time, after we'd had our firstborn, went, I think I need to get out of teaching. I don't want to be stuck here for another 35 years we had the big conversations and it was like, right, you know, when's the best time to be broke? It's when your children only need breast milk and nappies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. So, yeah, and I think that's, he just needed that permission to not have to be the provider or that permission from me to go, it's okay. Like I'd mm. rather live in a cardboard box and you'd be happy than for you to be unhappy and, you know, working this job that you are not loving for the next 35 years. So, Anyway, he went to uni, so we were surviving on a uni casual work wage, so a little bit of supply teaching here and there, and it was okay. You know, we're not taking overseas trips, but yeah, it's a a very intentional choice that you're making. It was, yeah, exactly. I wanted to be home, and he wanted to be home, and that was another really important thing when we were making these decisions was that Scotty wanted to be a part of this, and he wanted to be there to help raise the kids and and not miss out on that. So 
Yeah, so I guess financially it went from there to um, my mum and her partner were living in New South Wales at the time and looking to move up to Queensland and I just threw a conversation over the table one day and said, oh, we should move in together. (laughs) 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 And uh, she said, oh, you would never move in with us? And I looked at her and said, we've got two kids under four. I would move in with anybody. (laughs) (laughs) And, And that's just snowballed so we moved on to acreage so I am 38 years old and I live with my mother (laughs) it's amazing but we we should caveat that that they have their own little abode further down yeah you're not living under the same roof yeah Yeah, we made that way it's such a great situation for you guys it is. Uh, my parents, uh, my mum and her partner are FIFO, so they're a week here and on and then a week off and they have their own driveway and door and they're not living above or below us. So mm. there is that degree of separation that we can retreat if we need to. But yeah. that has definitely helped. Um, that is a choice. I know a lot of people couldn't do it and I totally get that. I totally get that. <laughs> <laughs> and that, But it also that is a choice as well that requires on both of our parts a bit more forgiveness and a lot more flexibility and, and compromise. And yeah. But the benefits, I think, are really worth it. So, yeah, long story short, now my husband runs his own business from home and we run wildlings from home. And someday, so Scotty has, he parents, I'm not going to say looks after the kids because yeah. he parents. <laughs> Uh, two weekdays out of the week and I parent three days out of that week, but I do take the kids to Forest Kindy, so I kind of don't count that as a work day. Yeah. And then on the weekends it's just whoever blocks out their time in the calendar first. <laughs> so yeah. I've got very adept at like, oh, I think I'm going to go and get a massage, then boom, two months early because I'm bagsing that self-care time. <laughs> yeah, you guys do a really great job of managing that and, yeah, I mean, I'm in awe of how you – make it all work because um, we'll get to my situation down the track. But, yeah, it, we operate completely differently to you guys. But that's the great thing about hearing people's stories is that you do hear that there isn't just one way of doing it. Yes, exactly. And I yeah. think this can work for anyone if mm. you want it to. It yeah. just depends on how f- how much you're willing to sacrifice, compromise and do to make it work, I guess. Saying that, I do need a caveat there, white privilege. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really important thing to remember is that the situation we find ourselves in right now is a very, very privileged position to be in. Mm, absolutely. And I know that comes with generations of, you know, ownership of stolen lands and things mm-hmm. that we have benefited from. So I do want to caveat there. As I was saying, this can work for anyone. I thought, oh, that is a very privileged thing to say. Yeah. So what I meant to say there was that, yes, financially it can be really tough, but for those that are in a privileged situation, have a look at the privilege that you have and think about how much you need some of the things you think you need. As yeah. Well. yeah, yeah. It's important to mention. Now mm. we always get, I laugh when we have to talk about this question for our families. <laughs> But it's important and people need to know, what about socialisation, Nikki? What about your children getting time with other children? How do you make it work? I'm glad it makes you laugh because it makes me angry. (laughs) (laughs) And You know me, I don't get angry very much, but I'm going to start by saying that school is not socialisation, it's not the real world, and that sitting in a classroom with 25 other children of the exact same age is not normal and you don't find that anywhere else in the world at any time of your other stage of your life. So 
that's not real socialisation. Neither is sitting in a classroom being told what to do, how to do it, when to go to the toilet. That's not socialisation either. And it sets us up for fear of authority. It sets us up for oh, so many things, extrinsic motivation. Um, remembering I'm a teacher, I did these things. So. Oh, yeah, saying guilty as charged. <laughs> guilty as charged. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, our children socialise. So I guess our typical week this term, and it does change every single term. So this term on a Monday we do Lego workshops. Tuesday they go out with Scotty and have an adventure day, which at the moment is down at the beach. Wednesday is um, art class, Thursday is bush kindy and then Friday is generally bike riding or something with dad and then the weekend is catching up with people. We are super lucky that we live on the Sunshine Coast in an absolutely thriving homeschool community. Like literally you name a child's interest and there's classes for it. The other thing about socialisation, I guess homeschooling, is that we do see a lot more adults and we do see a lot of different mentors from different walks of life and it's not just subject areas you know we've got jeweler friends and we've got emergency nurse friends and we've got business owner friends and our children are learning from all of them Mm. all of the time I think which is and they get to choose their own mentors which makes a big difference I think as well and I think it's important to point out that our community is very child friendly and respectful of children it doesn't operate in an authoritarian top-down uh, way of of speaking to children, so they are more treated as equals, and so f- therefore their interactions with adults or anyone from a different age is different to the interactions that children will often get at school mm. because the power dynamic is different. And there are plenty of schools that are really trying to strengthen those relationships they have with teachers, but inherently behavior management or behavior modification is still a very strong part of the educational institution and when our children are interacting with everyone in society they see themselves as equals and it's Mm. a very very different way of seeing themselves as belonging to our community yeah it's funny I'm I can't remember what I said but there's something about my youngest today and I it was total coercion and I saw your eldest totally react and I was like oh yeah just the way that I said that was mm. me trying to bribe my son to go to oh we had a whole classes. conversation about that on the way home <laughs> <laughs> and I was like oh my gosh yeah that was total coercion and bribery right then and yeah. our kids just don't really often see that no well, they can and they no. pick it from a mile away and then they're like pull it to pieces like Absolutely. Yeah. And that, that, that was an absolute pick to pieces thing that I threw out today. There was mm. not respectful parenting. Oh, you know, and we all, have those, we all have those moments. But the thing that I love about our children is that even when we don't meet our own expectations around what we want to be like <laughs> as parents, our children will pick us up on it. Oh, my god! We don't gosh, get away instantly. with it most of the time because mm-hmm. this is this whole way of trying to teach them about being good social people in the world that we yeah, are. It is woven. Yeah, it's woven into the way that we are bringing our children up and we don't have separation from that. Like this is what we mm. do at home, this is what we do at school and they can sometimes be completely t- two different things, two different messages, subliminal messages, mm-hmm. unsaid messages that are often said to children at school or wherever they go to when it's not at home. Whereas when we're at home and when we're with them all the time and, and the other families that we spend our time with have a similar way of 
parenting and communicating Mm. and being respectful with our children. Yeah. I love it. It's always mm-hmm. a good reminder that, oh, yeah, their bullshit meter is <laughs> A1. <laughs> it is. Yeah. As hard as it can be sometimes and, you know, the apologies have to roll out and we have to mm. remind them that adults make mistakes too. Yeah. He did enjoy parkour but <laughs> <laughs> the method of getting him there was not uh, my best parenting. <laughs> I think I, I explained to the girls, I said, you know, I think it was more that he didn't want to go because he thought I was going to stay and he could play with you too but. Mm. Yeah, we just had to get him over the line. So good. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, one of the other questions we get asked a lot is how did you convince your husband or your partner? Because it can other, uh, sometimes be the other way around. How do you convince your partner that homeschooling is the best decision for your family? Scotty is a teacher, so he knows the insides and outs of school and he knows the coercion and the extrinsic motivators and the lack of autonomy and the behaviour issues and the grading was a big one for us, being Mm. graded on subjects that you may not be interested in and compared to your peers who you may actually be developmentally a year or two years behind or in front of, you might as well grade people on their height yeah. Um, just really was enough for us to go, oh, let's give it a year. And again, those school tours, the prep classrooms were just, they weren't play-based. You know, there's this all this talk that prep is, it's all play-based. I'm like, they're reading in week one. They're being graded and told that they need to catch up. They're behind in their reading within the first term. And I was just like, yeah, what happened to play? Play yeah. is how children learn. Let them play. And I'll remind people too that we, Nikki and myself and our families are very invested in child development. So Mm. when you know a lot about how children's brain works, what is best for them in in terms of how they develop and how important play is, that is at the forefront of your mind when you're going on these school tours. And so when Mm. you don't see it and it's not prioritised, then it's a red flag. uh, Red alarm bells, smoke alarms and... Yeah. (laughs) And actually then when our second came along um, and as he got older, we just went, there is no way this kid is designed to sit in a class. Mm -hmm. If if he was sent into a classroom, he would probably be diagnosed with ADHD and that's just not what it is. No, it breaks my heart. He needs to move his body. He absolutely, he's constantly moving. He's tapping. He's like his nickname is is Thumper. (laughs) He needs to make noise. It's how he expresses his emotions. And for me to see him get sat down, told off and silenced, would it would break him. It would change, fundamentally change the person that he is. Yes. It breaks my heart because we, I just have so many conversations with parents whose children have gone into prep or just starting school and the problems are already coming out, in particular mothers and, and parents of boys mm-hmm. because they are not designed to be sitting down in a classroom and doing formal learning. Uh, we know this. How many times do we have to look to the Nordic countries <laughs> to know? <laughs> and the research is all there and yet it is consistently ignored. Completely ignored. This is the thing that gets me is that just because something is normalised in the education system doesn't actually mean that the research backs it. And I don't think parents realise that. This Mm. research about child starting age and, you know, the need for movement, the need to be outside, it's all there in so many papers and so much research and it's just ignored because budget, essentially it's budget. 
And the other thing I would add to, especially when you're doing those school tours, is if this is something that's coming up for you and your children are going into school and this is the path that you're taking, look beyond your prep years, look beyond prep mm. if you want in year two, and make sure that you identify what kind of learning is going on for our older children because a lot of schools are very good at making it look like they are engaged in play-based learning and then it just abruptly stops again and it goes into a very academic, heavy curriculum and it becomes a very academic culture. And you have to decide for you and your family if that is your priority or if your child's holistic development is your priority and make some choices when it comes to that because they're only in prep year one, year two for a very short period of time or prep a lot of the time as schools aim at. And then the rest of those years are just as important. Mm. I think you brought up a really important thing there. I think the reason that we aren't worried about our children getting behind is, again, because we are well-read in child development. Mm. And as teachers, we have seen the scope in a typical classroom. You know, as an English teacher, I'm teaching children that could be in year nine doing university level and I'm teaching children that have a, a grade three, four, five sometimes English level in the same class. So falling behind, to me, those those kids, they'd be better off not in, at school yeah. and just focusing and having someone read to them yeah. over and over and again. <laughs> do, you, do you have moments where you're worried that they're falling behind? I do, but they're fleeting. Yeah. But overall, no, I'm very confident and I probably shouldn't say this out loud. <laughs> Yeah, I I think other homeschooling parents probably do need to hear this is that I am a hundred percent confident that my children will be happy and that they will be confident in knowing who they are. Preach it this (laughs) (laughs) This is my biggest thing. I felt like I spent my twenties discovering who I was and what I liked in life because I'd just been chasing the goal of being an A-grade student in whatever had been really dished out to me. But I didn't really know what what I wanted in life and what what success meant to me. I knew what success meant to my culture and my society, but it wasn't resonating with me. I went and worked a nine-to-five and it just about killed me. I I don't think you could have articulated that any better. It was exactly the same for me. I had to find out who I was when I became a mother. So I've been a mother for eight years so I feel like I've actually known who I am for eight years of my life and the rest of those years I have been placating some other person yes. or people Ugh. or society because that is the strong conditioning that came through with Absolutely. every single avenue in my life and and it's really hard to undo, really yeah. super hard, still working on it and I don't want that. Like that is so strong in me that I would much rather that they were behind by the time that they had, you know, traditionally finished their schooling, but you never stop learning. And that's I was going to say, this is other thing. Thing. why yeah. is 18 the magic number where you suddenly have to know everything and go and do your tertiary studies yeah. or you're not successful? Like, yeah. What is it with this number on this age of success? It's, yeah. um, yeah, if, if we give our children nothing else but the time to discover who they are so that they can define their own version of success, yeah. then homeschooling has been worth it for us. Exactly, because as I've said to people before who've asked us this question, if you want to learn something, it, you don't have until the age of before 18 to learn it. Mm. If you haven't learned to read by the age of 18 for some reason 
and then you decide you need to learn to read because it's important for you in order to achieve your goals, you still have time to learn to read. Yeah. You know, it's it's about really shifting our mindset about what we're capable of doing and what we can learn in our lifetime, not just in childhood, because there are so many important things that we do need to learn in childhood about being a human and about ourselves. Being able to communicate with others. Yeah. How to have respectful communications with other people and yeah. to be able to critically analyse information, to have a love of learning. Mm. And a love of life. Yeah. I don't know if that's being too idealistic, but why not? Yeah. Why not? You know, I, I, this is what I'm loving. I don't, you know, as I was listing what we're doing for homeschool at the moment, I'm like there is no academic focus there. No. That is pure no, joy. Yeah. They're getting their maths and their engineering and their STEM and their physics and even chemistry through through Lego. Mm. Why can't kids learn like that? Exactly. <laughs> I want to and probably add there as well is it probably helps that, A, my definition of success isn't being a lawyer working 80 hours a week. So that exactly. helps me not worry about falling behind. Yeah. But also that, um, again, being in this beautiful homeschooling community, we've got role models around us where yeah. we've got musicians and artists and yoga instructors and, yes, people that have gone on to do university successfully. So yeah, without taking the traditional route and not even doing distance ed. So, yeah. and I'm also, as a high school teacher, very well aware that there's, you know, 200-odd pathways to university, so I'm not worried about kids. Can you say that uni. again for people? Because I honestly don't think they, they know that or believe yeah. us. I think you're right. It's it's funny because I read that as a high school teacher in one of the guidance officer's books, but I don't know how many students get to see that book. Mm. There are 200 pathways. You can do early entry, you can do late entry, you can do mature entry, you can do a feeder course, you can do TAFE and then diploma. You can have a gap year and sit a test. Like, again, why uni is a be-all and end-all, I don't know. Yeah. But on top of that, it doesn't. you don't need to do it at 18. You can, no. you can absolutely, but why not travel? Why not go work a job that you love and, and then make some decisions? Yeah, and I felt such pressure to get it done and dusted mm. so that I could finally get to living my life. Like that's the sort of yeah, rhetoric that was fed. Right. Like you go to uni so that you can finish all your, your learning and then finally you get to live. And finally get to work nine to five and become yeah. a weekend warrior. Like, yeah, and, oh. and even like my plan, going off topic a little bit, um, I wanted to be a marine biologist and I wanted to do that at uni and then I wanted to go and travel overseas. But then an, an opportunity came up for me to really step into my dream job and then I'm mm. sort of torn between this this dream I'd have for living and working overseas for a really long time and then stepping into this career that I could have right now and like that's a lot for someone to be able to process because you feel like your time's running out yeah at 20 yeah (laughs) my time's running out and if I don't take this job it'll never come up again and you know I've got to do it all in the right order otherwise you know I'm not going to be able to you know, be married and have children at this age. And- it's that pressure, isn't it, to conform and keep yeah. up with the peers and keep up with the Joneses. So, again, yeah. if if we can show our kids that there are other paths other than just that one. And that happiness and joy and success come in so many different forms. Yeah. 
And what they find and deem as success might not be what I think is success, but it mm-hmm. actually doesn't matter. In fact, they should care the least what I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not about us. No. Yeah. As hard as that, as a, that's a tough sw- pill to swallow for some people. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. All mm. right. Uh, one more question. How do you get self-care time in it? Uh, we get asked this one a lot too. I think a, a big barrier for a lot of, and I'm going to genderize here because in this day and age, education of children or the getting children to and from their education or the mental load of education and the homework falls on women's laps. So when the decision comes to decide whether children are going to school or going to be homeschooled, there is genuine and legitimate fear from women about how the hell they're going to ever get any time to themselves, Mm. Uh, particularly if, you know, the husband is working five or more days a week or is FIFO. Um, And that's a decision you need to make as the person in charge of your children's education, but also in charge of your own mental health. But it's a two-way street and it's a relationship and education is like a full-time job. Well, mine doesn't feel like a job sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Unschooling is where it's at, people. Yeah. Um, but I would just say that you schedule it in like you schedule everything else. You know, find what it is that brings you joy and peace and and go about that. And if that means it costs you to get a babysitter or a nanny, nanny or an au pair or you're doing care swaps, which is really common in the homeschooling community Mm. or homeschool co-ops or, you know, just having a friend look after your kids so you can actually go and get your legs waxed, whatever it is. (laughs) That's not self-care, by the way. (laughs) No, it is. (laughs) Self-care is whatever you want it to be. Um, Just making sure that you get it and being very vocal about it. You know, it's just fair. I would also add here to be careful when you're trying to convince your partner there's a little trap I've seen a few people fall into. If you're trying to convince your partner that this is the right way forward, don't make promises you can't keep. Like, I'll be able to keep on top of it all on my own. You have mm. to go into it honestly and say, yes, I'm willing to take on the bulk of the responsibility if I'm the one staying at home or whoever the partner is staying at home. But there has to be an understanding that I will need time to myself. Mm. And this is how I want to take it and I want you to know that I'm going to have hard days and probably days where I don't want to do this anymore. Mm. But that doesn't mean that's just a, you know, like have those honest conversations so that you don't get to the point where you feel like if you complain about your scenario, then they might revert back to, well, we can just send them to school. Yeah. Because that's not helpful for your mental health for that to be thrown back at you. Yeah, and I was was about to say there, don't let your partner use that as a threat either because that just yeah. means he, she is an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So just have those, like, be, have those honest conversations. We can do hard things and make sure that that's really clear from the start. You don't want to give a false sense of something just because you want to home educate your children that badly. You're willing to say anything to convince your partner because it will backfire and you will burn out. So you need to make sure that you have that honest conversation and we can talk a little bit more about that Mm. in the future. Yeah. 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 So essentially the answer to that for me is on the two days that are my work days, they're actually not work days. They're my two days to do whatever I want with. So Mm. I can work half a day or a full day or I can go and get my hair done or I can go for a beach walk. Um, but I actually get most of my self-care on the weekends, to be honest, because mm. I like doing all my work during the week. So, and that's, I'm just really, I was going to say lucky, 
I've chosen my life partner very well in that we have great communication. So, well, I think you can tell that we're pretty passionate about this <laughs> <A little> topic. <laughs> A little bit. And so, we are going to continue having these conversations, and you'll hear how we feel about things uh, as we talk to more and more people about homeschooling. And just a reminder, too, that your choices are your choices. We're passionate about our choices because of what suits our family and our children and what we want to do with our lives. So please also just keep that in mind. If you're if you come from a background where your children go to school, this is just us letting you know why we've made the choices. It's important for you to be able to hear other people's choices and things that they've they've done with their life even if they're not the same as yours. Mm. And if it's triggering, perhaps check why. Have a go into mm. it a little bit deeper and um, have a think about why it might be triggering you. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So if you've ever considered homeschooling or unschooling for your family, we hope our chat with Nikki today has given you some insights, maybe some inspiration as to how your family can take the leap into homeschooling or unschooling. So we might talk a little bit more about the difference in upcoming episodes. But stay tuned for next week's highly anticipated guest, Lucy Aitken-Reed of Lululastic and The Hippie Shake. We'll be chatting all things unschooling in New Zealand in a yurt of all places, the school wound, and speaking your truths, not just in business or in education, but in all aspects of your life and beliefs. She is an absolute joy to listen to. She's just a bubble of sunlight. So make sure you subscribe if you haven't already. And if you'd like a little inspiration to start your family, homeschooling, you can head to www.kit.co forward slash wildlings to check out our recommended reading list for all things homeschooling and unschooling. There's some great titles on there. Some of our favourites include books by John Holt, uh, Peter Gray's books are all in there and a few others about unschooling, The Brave Learner. There's lots in there, so check them out. And as always, we love doing this journey with you. So until next time, stay stay wild. wild. Thank you.